Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Nosemister family of guitar effects in Greenville, South Carolina. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. Also make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook and follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Comment and share all that good stuff and subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star review. That's one of the best ways to kind of help bump us up the rankings and all of that good stuff. Joining me this time in person is... Bradley Cox. I'm the lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. As well as... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist and church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize for my voice this week. Uh, I may draw comparisons to Closer to Barry White or a Waffle House waitress. We've definitely got our thing together, don't we? kind of getting over a cold and I've got some of the gunk <laughs> still residing upon the vocal cords and in the sinus Need cavities. a warm up Shug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then obviously my laugh sounds absurd right now too, so it's it's just all jacked up. So because of that, we're going to keep this a little shorter. We gave you uh you listeners a very long episode last week, but it was a good one. Uh, it, was, it was a really good episode, obviously, hanging out with Padre. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one, you should. Um, and as of, I guess, 20 minutes ago, I got a text. I told Bradley because he asked, or no, Mary asked before she brought you your cup of coffee <laughs> in the office. Uh, but, John, I did get a text uh, saying that the scan on his chest came out clear. Nice. And so nothing in his chest, no lymph nodes. Excellent. So at a boy, Padre. Yeah, go listen to that episode. So this week we're going to talk about the J.D. Greer situation, um, and charitably, like there's been some nonsense going around where people have just been <laughs> blaming him, saying he preaches a false gospel and he's caved into the S.J.W. neo-Marxist thing. Oh like, my like, goodness! Really? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a little nuts. So. Uh, the reason that it's a bigger deal than normal is uh, over the summer, he was elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, and he's obviously been a bigger name in in the church world for a number of years in the first place. But uh, December 30th, he tweeted, there are no services at our campus locations this weekend. This is a great chance to worship at home with your family. So they called it off. Uh, just called off services altogether the week after Christmas, which, John, if you want to elaborate typically on why they they do yeah. that, you, so, you explained it really well before, and it gives me a break from talking for a minute. <laughs> so I'm I'm by no means, uh, I mean, super uh, familiar with, uh, with Summit Church and, and that chain brand, I don't know. Chain churches. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, uh, with their particular flavor of, of church. But uh, the, when he made this announcement, there was a link that took them to, uh, to the Summit Church website. And on that were some guidelines for uh, you know, how to worship at home, which are certainly uh, very useful resources, and it's a good practice to get into, um, probably to supplement Sunday service, but you know, it's neither here nor there. And, and there's a video that includes some lead worship music by kind of what I would assume is a stripped-down band, kind of acoustic. Um, there's some prayers and then a brief message by J.D. Greer at the end. And as part of this video, he elaborates on, 
on why they uh, they canceled quote or or called off these services on the on the last Sunday of the year. Uh, this this isn't just a one off thing. They they do it uh, traditionally every year uh, because the week preceding uh, the week of Christmas they do a large production that they call uh, Christmas at, at DPAC, which I, I would assume is some sort of performing arts center in their town. Uh, that brings together all of their campuses for for a very large Christmas celebration uh, and, and worship service, and because of that, they they would like to give their volunteers and and, and other church staff a break uh, on that last Sunday of the year. So so they they do this instead. Um, we can put a link to that page and that video in the show notes, uh, so you can look at that and listen to that yourself. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I gathered. So my big thing is, if you need to give people a break, my big question is, why don't you just strip it down? You know, give give the kids people a break. Just have the have the cheerins in there. Uh, strip down your your lights. Your even sure. you'd even say strip down the sound as much as you can. Obviously, that's still a, a factor. Uh, but even your music, like have a piano and or acoustic. Or nothing, you know, yeah. uh, have no instruments and just have somebody lead some songs and keep it I chill mean, and make it happen. Well, you know, and the interesting thing is, and, and I, I would assume scheduling uh, is, is really where the difference is here. I mean, there was obviously production work put into uh, preparing for this, at least this video, this worship at home video. There was a band that had to come together, rehearse and perform and record uh, there was a message that had to be written and delivered. There were prayers that had to be offered. Right. Uh, there were production people that had to light it, mix it, record it, publish it. I mean, so the effort was still exerted um, on what would appear to be a stripped-down basis as well. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would love to give... To give them the the complete benefit of the doubt in this case, and and say, you know, maybe their their volunteers are just completely shot. But it's difficult for me to rationalize, rationalize, justify, what have you. Um, but at the same time, at Christ Lincoln, we do something similar-ish on Christmas Day. So Christmas Eve, we have our our Advent services, the the ones I, I spoke about last week with the you know the thousands of people uh, across our campuses, um, and then on Christmas Day we have uh, Christmas Day services in our sanctuary, our more traditional uh, style of of worship only, and the 211, which is the more modern style of worship. Uh, those congregations uh, gather in smaller numbers, as you would assume. Uh, to meet up and to go to different retirement homes, uh, nursing homes, things like that, um, to have fellowship with the residents there, uh, to uh, sing Christmas carols, to bring the joy of Christmas uh, to a group of people who otherwise wouldn't. And so that's what we do on on Christmas Christmas Day, and it's you know that's been a tradition as well. And you know I I have no uh, delusions that it probably did stem out of wanting to give the band and the volunteers a break, uh, you know. But we've still turned it into uh, something else. Now, granted, that's not a traditional Sunday service. If it is a traditional Sunday service, we still have it. Uh, you know, if Christmas were to fall on a Sunday, 
So, I mean, that's as close as I can come in in my personal, uh, you know, experience. Uh, what, what say you? Well, uh, it, for me, like I feel myself wanting to zoom out and go, what what is it that bothers us about this? Mm-hmm. Like, there's 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 something that irks our souls. Uh, and obviously, a lot of other people's, and and not not everybody stewarded that twinge in their soul about Summit Church, and and like we talked about before, we hit the record button. There, I, I mean, I know a half a dozen or a dozen other churches that do the same thing right. every year on the last Sunday of the year, and um, we can we can comb through all the practical the practicalities of this, um, you know, there's in every church context is different from a practical standpoint. Um, you know, we, none, none of the three of us and probably most of our listening audience don't have any really solid idea about what it takes for summit church to facilitate a worship service on the weekend. We don't know what all goes into that. We know what goes into it in our context. And so we tend to project that on others and say, well, you know, we could do it. So why, why do they feel like they can't, you know, I remember over the Thanksgiving holiday, I had a conversation with my wife's cousin, who is a campus worship leader for 12 stone church in Atlanta, massive church, multiple campuses. And he was telling me that, um, uh, for, I think every week now at just at their campus. Okay. This is not the the mothership. This is mm-hmm. one of the the campuses where the sermons piped in via video, and they have a live worship team. They're doing uh, four services a weekend, and their plan mm-hmm. for Christmas was six services. and And they're not doing that because they just like to have that much church, but that's what it takes for them to accommodate the crowd right. just at that campus. And so, there's part of me, from a practical standpoint, that could imagine that man, if that's what it took for Res Church to get through Christmas weekend, mm-hmm. would I consider calling it off the last Sunday of the month of the of the year to yeah. just um, give everybody to let them catch their breath? I mean, imagine Cody, you being on the worship team, and we've got six <laughs> services back to back. When when we were doing two services, that killed me in the first place. Right. I mean, just imagine how exhausted we would be, and would we consider that from a practical standpoint? I think. Giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know, trying to put myself in their shoes, it just, there's a part of me that goes, okay, I think I could understand maybe why that's happening. But when I zoom out, I think what twinges me about it is there's just seems to be, at at least in America, um, a decline in, in the church in valuing our gatheredness. Um, there seems to be a greater value placed on the production elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, when we had a, a, a snow Sunday a few weeks ago, yep. I saw, I don't know how many uh, pastors that I know and churches that I know, big and small, that had to call off their services because of snow. And the, the alternative they offered was to get their worship team together and stream an online service that people could watch. Or if, if the church was smaller, it was the pastor sitting beside the Christmas tree in his home with doing a Facebook live video with kind of this little fireside chat thing. And I'm not trying to, you know, um, 
criticize that too much. But there's part of me that goes, you know, that's not what church is really about, is yeah. it? It's it's right. about our gatheredness. It's about incarnational ministry taking place when we gather. And long gone are the days when, at least for most churches, uh, where we gather on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, and you sprinkle fellowships in between. I mean, we struggle to contend for the Sunday morning hour in people's schedules and lives now. And to remove a gathering, I think, is a really, really big deal. Uh, and if the production efforts have gotten to the point where we're so drained that we feel like that's the solution is to reduce our gathering, then I think maybe it should cause us pause to stop and think, are we, are we putting too much value on the wrong thing? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that you kind of brought that up. I had a, a quote printed out from Sinclair Ferguson uh, from his book, In the Year of Our Lord, uh, reflections on 20 centuries of church history. It's a really cool book where it goes through every century, says here's some some major figures and some ideas that were being discussed or whatever, and then, hey, how does that apply? And he was he was lamenting more so the fact that so many churches have done away with an evening service, which I think is a totally different discussion, right. uh, which has its own merits or you know pros and cons, whatever. Um, but he dropped this quote in there, the test a young woman employs for the quality of a date with a young man is not that after an hour she looks at her watch, fiddles with her smartphone, gets up to leave, and suggests it would be nice to do this again for an hour on the same day next week. No, she wants more time with this young man as soon as possible should the bride of Christ treat her betrothed with any less enthusiasm. Alas for our churches, if we despise the wisdom of the past and the mistaken conviction that we know better and are the stronger Christians as a result, the evidence seems to point in the opposite direction. Uh, now, other than imagining uh, what I just said in a Scottish accent, <laughs> like Sinclair Ferguson, um, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that as, as we've developed these uh, church growth strategies and technology, and there's nothing wrong with growing a church, obviously. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with lights and or fog machines and electric guitars and having modern styles. Right. But that doesn't mean that we're necessarily more relevant than yeah. than Christians seventeen hundred years ago or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's 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 not the cake, it's the frosting. It's not the turkey, it's the dressing. You know, it's not the right. point, it's the extra. Uh, and you know, you're you and, and and Sinclair, you know, spot on. I mean, something that I've craved since I, I left college, and that was, shoot, 11 years ago now. Um, you know, we had daily chapel where we would celebrate either some sort of responsive prayer or, or the order of matins, which is just a liturgical kind of responsive uh, reading and, and, and worship service thing. Uh, we'd have, uh, you know, Vespers or Evening Prayer, very similar, very song, song-rich, musically rich. Um, we'd have Sunday services. You know, we'd, we'd have these, these things that, you know, you were, you not only were in the Word every day and in, 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 in worship every day and receiving God's gifts every day, but you were doing so with the fellowship of uh, God's people around you. And that's something that I've I've craved for the last 11 years. You know, I, I've brought it up um, at, at 
my current church and, and others. Lost you again, John. <sighs> now you're back. Well, yeah. oh, now you're gone. Sort of. <laughs> All right. What was that? Man. It's something that I've craved. Y'all need to pay your internet bill. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> Is it our internet? Yeah. I mean, I've got a 10 gigabit link. It's not mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I've craved you know, since, since college. And, and I've, I've proposed that, uh, to my current church and, and others I've served with along the way. And really the answer is, well, it's been tried or no, I don't think now's the right time. And, and really what it boils down to is getting the resources required to effectively pull it off, you know, because, from our point of view, we, when we think of, okay, who's necessary in the sense of our expectations to um, provide, to, to host a worship service, you know, we need, uh, we need officiant, you know, we need, a, we need a pastor, an elder, we need, you know, musicians, we need at least some people to, to greet or usher, however your church does it, um, to collect offering, you know, whatever whatever that might look like in your particular particular situation. Um, but there's also the matter of, of cleaning. You know, we have to have facilities then and, and come in and, and clean that space afterwards. If, you know, there, there are multiple facets that, that when I had brought this idea up, um, had been kind of made known to me that, that, you know, would from a pragmatic standpoint, make it more, more difficult. And, and I, you know, I'm certain that that it's this sort of awareness that is probably what what has led Summit Church to do this on a regular basis. Is there's just so much. You know, maybe they ship all of their stuff. I mean, uh, this Christmas at DPAC. Suppose it is a performing arts center off site of their campuses. Maybe they have to load up everything and ship it there, and it's just not back yet. I mean, that's. That that could be, you know. There's, I think, there's a lot of logistical pieces uh, specific to that that situation. But, you know, I I think it's I think it's you know a, a good illustration to, uh, you know, that really we're we're the ones at fault here. Like, if we want to have a worship service, great. But you know, we're the ones <laughs> saying, you know. We're limited by oh facilities availability. We gotta you know we gotta keep the lights on. You know we've gotta have people to do this that and the other thing to clean up the chewing gum to play a guitar, or or even not a guitar. Someone to sing a song. You know whatever it is. Um, when when the reality of it is God calls us to be together, and it doesn't really matter what it looks like so long as we're there in spirit and in truth and receive His gifts according to that spirit. You know, yeah, we've we've really seen kind of a dumbing down of the of the means of the ordinary means of grace as the sure. as the reformers like to put it. <laughs> um, and, and here's 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 the what might be the biggest question for me is if you're tired and burned out, what better place is there for you on a Sunday morning than in church? Well, and and even bigger than that is <clears throat> are you tired and burned out of gathering? Yeah, you know, like like what what are we talking about? I mean, is it yeah. because like you said, John, I mean, we don't know what went in 
and what goes in on a weekly basis to putting together a gathering for Summit Church and what it took for them to do their Christmas services. Um, and so that notwithstanding, though, like if we are tired of gathering, why is that? Um, what, what, what is it that we're burned out about when it comes to our gatheredness? Because it, really at the root of our identity as the body of Christ is that we gather. You know, I remember when I came to Resurrection Church 14 years ago, we did Sunday night church and Wednesday night church. And I was 27, 28 years old at the time. Uh, and the real push at, at that time in particular for churches that had been in existence and had Sunday night services, Wednesday night services, was to do away with those services. Mm -hmm. You know, call off church on Sunday night. There's no point in doing that. Um, you know, if you're going to do it, it's got to have some sort of unique, creative element to it, um, you know, which was really the beginnings of this whole push for production and that when we gather the church, we've got to entertain them too. Yeah. Like there's not, yeah. there's not, and, and I, I think what that was the beginning of now looking back on it, I didn't see it then because, you know, we, we did away with Sunday night church mm -hmm. and, um, but looking back on that, what I realized is that um, we, it, it wasn't that we needed to have something so different, like, you know, the basic elements of the church gathered would be worship scripture, prayer, I mean, the Lord's yeah. table. I mean, those, those yeah. are the basic elements of the church gathered. And if we feel like we can't get, we, we need to gather less because we can't, we don't have the energy to creatively add enough stuff to those basic elements, then I think what we've done is we've devalued our gatheredness in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And we've started to value these other things. And that might be, that might be, not saying that it always is, but that might be the reason why people feel burned out. Right. Um, yeah, because exactly. Because we should be energized by our gatheredness, not drained by it. You know, on that, on that point, you know, it makes me think, I, I like metaphor. It's, it, you know, it's kind of how I think. And have you ever tackled a like a home improvement project or, you know, I'm a, I'm a gearhead, so I like wrenching on cars, you know, if that's your thing. Um, have you ever tackled a project that you could easily pay somebody to do, but you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to save a few bucks, and you get halfway into it, um, you know, elbows deep, so to speak, and you realize that you're in over your head, and that thought goes through your head, is it worth it? You know, is it worth saving whatever? I think the thing that has bothered me in, in the past, and, and thankfully I haven't heard this from, from Christ Lincoln um, uh, leadership, but, but others um, in, in my past, has been, you know, sure, we could do uh, an evening prayer service or this, but would it be worth it? How many people would come? Would it be worth it? God, I hate that, that mindset when it, comes to, when it comes to worship. Of course it's worth it. I mean, of course it's where keep the church doors unlocked for Pete's sake. I mean, we've had, uh, uh, I even forget what it was, but it was a, we, we had a 24-hour prayer vigil for something important, I would, I would assume. Um, and the church doors were, were and the church doors were unlocked from, uh, well, because of, of how it fell, uh, pretty much 36, 48 hours, something in there. 
and someone was there the whole time. And you could come in, you could pray, um, you could sing, not structured, you know, it was just come. So encouragement to listeners and even ourselves, of course it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it every single time. You just don't need to make a huge fuss out of it. Just give them Jesus. Or bluntly. Hey, go to church. Go to church. (laughs) Now, speaking of going to church, Cody, there was one extra little facet to this thing that you wanted to bring up about going to church, and that involves people like you and me, uh, people who serve on the worship teams on a regular basis. Will you kind of lead us into that thought? Yeah, there's been multiple discussions in multiple Facebook groups uh, of the worship leading crowd uh, where guys are like, hey, I'm off this week. I'm just not going to go to church. And that's that's that same twinge in our souls that Bradley was talking about. It's like, dude, get to church. (laughs) This isn't an optional thing um, to to be a little ranty about it like this. I wouldn't say it's compulsory because it doesn't get you into the kingdom. Uh, But Jesus did say that if you love him, you will keep his commandments. Yeah, it doesn't get you into the kingdom. Yeah, it doesn't get you into the kingdom, but it is indicative and a characteristic exactly. of those who are in the kingdom. So it doesn't get you there, it's a result of, like fruits of the Spirit, like good works, a result of being there. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, just to, again, I, if, if, a, if, a, if a member of a worship team or children's ministry or host team greeter um, isn't scheduled to serve, and their impulse is, I'm not going to go to church. I've got the Sunday off. You you have to you have to stop and step back and go. What is it? How is it that I see church? How is it that I see yeah. my? You know, when Jesus calls us to Himself, He calls us to His people. He calls us together uh, under Him and with Him. And you know, for Jesus to even say things like, "Where two or three are gathered in My name, I'm there. I'm in the middle of that." I mean, there's a there's there's a there's a unique way that we experience the presence of God. I think when we gather, it's not that we can't. You know, the whole argument about well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. And you know, maybe that's true on some levels. But I, I what I would say to people who might say that is that yeah, but you're going to experience less of God. You're gonna you're going to experience. A, you're sure. not going to experience as deep and rich intimacy with him if gathering with the saints to worship is not a part of your regular rhythm. And so why would you why would you even talk about it like that? Like you're you're getting the Sunday off, like I'm 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 released from an obligation rather than uh being able to participate in what is the essence of my identity is that I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm a citizen mm-hmm. of the kingdom of God. Why yeah. would I, you know, that, that to me says you could, you could actually have your identity rooted in the wrong things. Uh, if that's I mean, your, if that's your mindset. What boggles my mind is, okay, let's say, uh, you are a busy member of the worship team, the, the worship, uh, you know, machine, and you're on four out of five Sundays a month. Wouldn't you want just once to experience 
worship with your brothers and sisters in your own congregation as a part of that congregation? Mm-hmm. I mean, not saying that you aren't when you're on the platform or or when you're you know being an usher or whatever, but without having to worry about that extra stuff and be able to focus specifically on fellowship with your family and fellowship with Christ in, yep. the, in the opposite order. But yes, yeah. I mean, now I can understand burnout, but then that begs the question that we were talking about before is like, why? I mean, are, are you just so burnt out of your job at that church, whether it be professional or, or volunteer that you just don't want to go? Like when someone's so so done with with a, a job in the secular world that they purposely don't even drive past the office when they're when they're going to a restaurant or going to the mall or or wherever, like they <laughs> they specifically avoid it. I mean, if if that's the same feeling that we get as volunteers, as professionals, as church leaders, when we think of church then I don't think the answer is taking um, a break from church. I think the answer is just taking a break from everything else and being a member of that church, a member of the body for a while. And to understand and to really wrestle with what it is that you're called there to do outside of being a volunteer, outside of being a leader. I mean, we are children of God first. So on, on the program before we've we've talked about well I've talked about this concept of of vocation you know what are we called to be what are we called to do and that's not like oh I'm a plumber maybe that's one of your vocations uh, but we're not talking about work here we're not talking about industry when we talk about Christian vocation we're talking about what has God called and enabled you to do and to be um, and. We, we must remember that, you know, we have all of these different vocations, each one of us. I mean, Cody, you're, you're a son, and uh, are, are you a brother? Do you have siblings? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Cody, yeah. you're a son, you're a brother, you're a, you're, you know, you're, you're a, a business owner, a pedal builder, um, you're a podcast host, um, you are a husband. Um, Bradley, you are a pastor, you are a father, um, you know, myself. I'm a father. I'm a worker for the company that pays me. I uh, am a worship musician. I'm an elder. But first and foremost, all of us, above all of those things, are children of God. And we must respond to his call as he has called us. And so to work with that a little bit and to explore that concept a bit more, my recommended reading for this week is a book entitled God at Work by Gene Edward Veith Jr. Uh, Fantastic book, um, available in paperback from Amazon, so you don't have to spend a ton of money on it. I don't think it's available on Kindle. It is a bit of an older uh, text, but still helps us uh, wrestle with this notion of who I am and who I am called uh, to be and what am I called to do as part of that. Cody, what do you have for us? 
I am actually going to recommend a J.D. Greer book that I may or may not have recommended before, but Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart, because it is a oh, helpful yeah. book by J.D. Greer, and it's relevant right now. Uh, he talks about how um, he was so insecure in his in his justification and salvation that he literally prayed the quote-unquote prayer thousands of oh, times. It's and the I, sinner's prayer. Right. And yeah. if I recall correctly, I think he said he was baptized like seven times, um, where one, one's good enough. Um, uh -huh. and he gets into it's not it's not about uh, how much you mean it. Did you mean it enough? It's about actually having faith in the finished work of Jesus that was that was completed 2000 years ago. Go ahead, Bradley. Um I, you know, at the risk of people getting nauseous that we keep doing this, I'm going to recommend another John Piper book. Um, <laughs> we can, we get desire, can, can we get Desiring <laughs> God as a sponsor? Like, we've we got to. They need. They should be sponsored. We, we should just rename this the John Piper Commentary Hour. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, Piper V2 is coming out soon. It could be a thing. The Piper, yes, the V2 Piper Drive. Oh, yeah. Um, Looks freaking sweet too. So. Piper wrote a little book called uh, Brothers Were Not Professionals, um, and it, it, you know, it's geared, it's geared mainly towards people in pastoral ministry, um, and, it, and he really talks about the, you know, professionalizing pastoral ministry, um, and, you know, I, I have just seen so many, and I've, I've even fought it in my own life in ministry, I've just seen so many people that begin to think of what we do, particularly in vocational ministry, or if you are a person, a volunteer lay minister in your church in some capacity that is heavily involved and uh, could almost, you know, be putting in the same kind of hours as someone who's paid staff, is that we, we really do get to the point where we think of this as an obligation and, and, and a pressure that we're under to perform as opposed to um, the life and ministry that we're called to. And so that book from Piper was really helpful to me several years ago. And I also wanted to recommend uh, just living in Psalm 84. Um, if, if, you, if you find yourself being burnt out with the church gathered and your role in it, this psalm is just a beautiful psalm that is really focused on the presence of the Lord and being in intimacy with him. Um, but I just think there's a direct connection between our gathering with the saints for worship and our intimacy with the Lord. I'm not saying that you can't be a Christian if you don't go to church every Sunday. I'm not saying that. But I do think there's a vital connection between our regular habit of gathering with the saints in worship experiencing our the the joy of his presence the gladness of being together in fellowship that is a huge part of our journey of faith uh that not only you know um it, it is it vitally important for us um you know for the church as a whole but it's vitally important for us as individuals um for our spiritual vitality um it it the the, the way we see the gathering of the saints should be something that is uh, keeping us from burnout, not leading us into it. Um, and so, Absolutely. yeah, live in Psalm 84, Brothers Were Not Professionals by John Piper. Very cool. If you are actively writing, performing music, and would like to become 
an official Westminster artist. You can even get your song played at the end of one of these episodes. Fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. This week's song is actually not by one of our artists, but it's very appropriate for the subject matter, and it's by Thrice. It's Come All You Weary, uh, back when Dustin Kensrew had sound theology as opposed to <laughs> nut job hyper-liberal theology. Thanks for listening. Go to church. Go to church. Thanks for listening. Go to church. <laughs> Come on, you weary, your heavy loads. Lay down your burdens, find rest for your soul. Thank you.